In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. O little town of Bethlehem, it's quite cold this time of year. Sitting at about 2,700 feet elevation, she sees 11 days of rain and one day of snow in December. Consistently sits around 45 degrees Fahrenheit. In fact, it's entirely possible that the night Christ was born was not too different than the weather that we experience today. It's not desirable conditions. It's wet, it's cold, it's miserable. Even more miserable for a pregnant woman who can't find a warm bed to sleep on. But certainly, in thy dark streets, dear Bethlehem, the everlasting light shineth. But as we gather tonight, that shining light still remains in the womb of Mary, readying itself to cast out sin, to enter in, and to abide with us. And while Mary was a virgin, she was still a mortal. She still felt the pangs of sin. She was a product of the curse inherited from Eve when God said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. Thus, I'm not so sure about the third stanza of the hymn, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. Mary was told that a sword would pierce her own heart, and that piercing began on this night when she, great with child, had to resort to a dirty stable to give birth to her son, shivering in the cold and, and certainly experiencing birth pangs. In the midst of this pain, excruciating pain that I will never experience, and a pain that I don't need to describe to many of you here tonight, in the midst of this pain, Mary treasured up all the words she had heard, pondering in her heart the words of the angel, as well as the words of scripture that she had heard throughout her life, herself being raised by pious and believing parents. And this is where you find yourself, on the brink of Christmas, waiting for Christ to enter in, treasuring up in your heart all the things that you've been hearing throughout these weeks of Advent, or maybe recalling those words of scripture that you haven't heard since you were last in church a year ago today. Mary may have, with you, with us tonight, meditated on the words of the psalm, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand, as she herself entered into the city of the same David who penned these words. This little entrance into Bethlehem, as well as the later triumphal entry into Jerusalem, would be the one when, Lord, your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power. In holy garments, from the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. Mary knew exactly who was in her womb, and she knew that from the morning, from Christmas Day, that Christ would be the Lord, that the dew of his youth the upbringing he would receive would serve as a model for all Christian mothers, as all generations would call her blessed. In many ways, we can see Mary as the second Eve. A completion or an undoing of the fall into sin is the birth of God in human flesh. Rather than plucking the fruit from the tree, Mary was now about to give birth to Jesus Christ, the apple tree, to the very tree of life laden with fruit and always green. As the contractions were magnifying, Mary may also have recalled the words of the prophet Micah. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, 
from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. Looking around Bethlehem, Mary didn't see any hospitals or skyscrapers or temples or even enough beds to satisfy a census coming to town. But she believed the words of Scripture, From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days, that is to say, begotten of the Father before all worlds. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Mary knew that this prophecy would be fulfilled, that she who is in labor would bring forth in the little town of Bethlehem the same one of ancient days who created the heavens and earth, the same one who appeared to Moses in the burning bush, who led Israel by a pillar of cloud and of fire, who saved the three young men in the fiery furnace. Mary knew that this was the one who would lead Israel. So once in royal David's city in this lowly cattle shed, Mary sat, waiting waiting for the grace of God to appear and bring salvation for all people, to train us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives, waiting for our blessed hope. So you sit, waiting, maybe patiently, maybe because you've been dragged here to appease parents or grandparents, but we sit waiting, the church sits patiently expecting Christ's second advent. Mary may have known as well that this night would not be the end of her heart being pierced by a sword. She obeyed the command of her betrothed and gave her boy the name Jesus, which means he saves. Again, being a pious Jew, Mary knew that salvation could only come from a gracious and loving God and that atonement of sins could only be achieved by blood. Jesus Christ was and is indeed the Agnus Day, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and is merciful to us. He shed his blood to save all mankind, to cover all of your sins. The shedding of blood began when God in human flesh on the eighth day was circumcised. The shedding continued throughout Jesus' life when he would fall and scrape his knee, when the calluses from his hard work would open. Again, as any mother knows, these scraped knees and stubbed toes and open wounds would cause Mary's heart to be pierced by a sword time and time again, just as your own heart was pierced when your children fell, and when they do fall, and when they cry, when they're injured. But how the sword is twisted when those children renounce the faith, or even worse, become apathetic to the things that were bestowed upon them at their baptism and their confirmation. It is losing a child, losing a child for eternity, that is the deepest piercing of this sword. When God gave his son, his only begotten son, up as a sacrifice, so too Mary would lose her only son as she watched her baby boy be lifted up to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. In a few months, the sanctuary will once again be clothed in purple. 
But soon after, that same glorious light that this night awaits to be born will find its absolute perfection when Christ our Lord, having been offered up as a sacrifice, conquers sin once and for all and is raised from the dead. And for this reason, Christian friends, rejoice. Christ was born to open heaven's door. He was born to save. And tomorrow morning, pastor will stand as an angel as a messenger of God, and proclaim glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. And you, like the shepherds, will heed the call. All ye faithful will come to Bethlehem to see, lying in a manger on the feeding trough of this altar, the very bread of life, Christ himself as a healing balm for the nations, for you, for each and every one of you who has been given the name Christian. And so tonight, sleep in heavenly peace, knowing that the pure radiant beams from the holy face of this infant shine upon you, redeeming you. Sleep in heavenly peace, knowing that even as an infant, Christ reigns as Lord. In the name of Jesus.